and welcome to the 905er. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. One of the reasons we began this podcast was to counter the perception of the 905 region as culturally irrelevant. We simply couldn't accept that a region of 4 million people, larger than some countries, should be routinely perceived or portrayed as being uninteresting from the perspective of art and culture. And of course, there's a huge amount of innovative and exciting work happening across our region among the different communities uh, for anybody who cares to take a look. This week, we're speaking to Burlington artist Briar Eamond about what it's like to be an artist in the 905 region, the amazing organizations and services open to the public and artists alike for people wishing to learn more or to get involved in the visual arts. And of course, it's impossible to talk about any subject these days without mentioning COVID. And Briar has some interesting, unexpected and illuminating lessons to draw from a time where we were all forced to spend a lot more time looking at our walls. Okay, well, um, welcome Briar Eamon to the podcast. Uh, Briar's uh, been a friend of mine for, for some years now, and uh, but is also a very talented artist in the 905 region and uh, uh, has... Uh, Quite a few experiences uh, of of uh, of being an artist in our kind of community, um, and also uh, just some of the unexpected things that have happened over the last year during COVID. That you know, even uh, well, you might think that it would be, that COVID would have been very bad news for for artists, but um, there's there's been some unexpected developments on that front. So, Brian, maybe you could just start off. Um, for the benefit of the listeners, just kind of giving a little bit of a background about yourself and how you, uh, uh, obviously this is an audio only uh, podcast, unfortunately, so people can't see the the wonderful art that you actually do, Uh, but maybe you could talk a little bit about it, give people an idea of what it is, how you came to it and and things like that. Well, I came to it very unexpectedly and rather late um, in life. Uh, I was finger painting with the children and realized how much fun it was to actually lay down paint on a piece of paper and create something that had never existed before and kind of stuck with me. I started painting every day and really low expectations with just color and texture and kind of taken that into my love of math and repetitive um, patterns in the universe and tried to, you know, find my own chords and, uh, it's worked out really well and really surprising for me on a personal level. It's uh, been my go-to um, during this time of pandemic, um, but it's also had to have been modified my process because I was very used to painting alone. And then all of a sudden I had a house full of people and had to figure out how to get creative and kind of tune them out. Earphones really help. Podcasts really help. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts and music really helps. So kind of creating a sound bubble for myself. And uh, recently I've been able to get back in the groove of things. And that's been really helpful in regards to dealing with uh, this strange time that we're in. So I, I, if I could, um, if we could, um, sort of try to paint a picture for listeners of what your art looks like. And obviously they could, they, they could Google you, Briar Eamond. Uh, um, do, do you have, a, um, it's like a website that people could go to, to get a, to get Instagram's a- probably the best place to right. find me. Um, yeah. 
I don't know how to describe my work, except I pour a lot of paint and I try and, I guess, represent nature um, in a unique way and highlight the repetitive patterns of our universe kind of through the paint and allow the paint kind of do the talking. So I find it more interesting. I, I mean, it's... Uh yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of organic themes of of, of like you say nature and um, uh, things like. Go and check it out, people. It's well worth it. Anyway, that's the plug, <laughs> which is very heartfelt. Um, uh, and uh, well, uh, you mentioned that obviously you know uh, being with with your family uh, at home during COVID is a struggle. But have there been any any um, uh, plus sides to? Uh, to the sort of COVID experience from your perspective as an artist? Well, it kind of made me go into, I'm sure, directions that I wouldn't have naturally gone to. So I'm quite a happy painter. I like happy things, happy colors. And this has kind of just made me think, well, what other pandemics have people gone through? How are those symbolized? And I did a whole uh, series that was supposed to be my first solo art show at the Art Gallery of Burlington, but that was canceled. So, and it was canceled like a couple of days before it was supposed to open. And it was because of the provincial guidelines, which are totally cool. And in fact, I was almost relieved because it's hard to have your first solo art show and have nobody be able to come and see it. So it's been postponed. It's going to happen, but it's going to happen a year later than it was going to happen. And yeah, so I've explored and I've taken it from really very symbolic to very abstract, to very tight, to very loose, from kind of a fear-based thought process to a hopeful-based uh, process. And so these two series that I've created have been the extremes of what I've kind of gone through or what the pandemic has made me think about and explore. And it's uh, it's been really good in that regard for me personally. Um, I, I'm wondering if we could maybe go back before the pandemic and just kind of give our, our listeners a, a, a sense of what, um, what it was like for an artist prior to the pandemic. Like you, so, cause I, cause a lot of, a lot of people don't understand what it, what it's like to be an art, a modern day artist. We, we know the work we've seen the paintings or the, or the sculptures or whatnot, but I'm wondering just kind of get a, a sense of, how 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 would you go about producing the piece, selling it, and getting and getting your work out there prior to the pandemic, and then after that we'll probably re- revisit what you've kind of how you've had to adapt that to a COVID nineteen centric world. Sure. So before the pandemic, and still with the pandemic, I sell my paintings through social media, primarily through Facebook and Instagram. And I've been fortunate enough to be represented by three great galleries. So the Art Gallery of Burlington and two other galleries in the 905 area, Donna Child Art World, or Fine Art, and Savvy Art. And so all three ladies that run those galleries have been wonderful in representing my work. Um, I go from personally, and as many artists as there are, that's as many processes as there are. But my personal process is basically getting kind of a kernel of an idea that excites me more intellectually than visually, and then seeing how I can represent that and how I can mutate that idea and what different variations I can produce on that idea. And just constantly checking back with myself, does this interest me? Is this something new? I'm not really interested in painting the same painting over and over again. 
but I love the flow through through the series and uh, the thought process through the series. For me, it's a matter of finding a unique way of expressing something that connects us all, which is human emotion and human experiences. And I was super excited to I, the Fibonacci sequence comes up a lot in my work because it's a really simple mathematical equation that explains a lot of how nature grows and proportions of uh, art as well. And so I got excited about nature through math and I was hoping that I could get people excited about art through an innate love of math that is represented in nature. And I come to that through a process of pouring paint and having naturally occurring fractals that happen when you mix different consistencies of paint come together. And that excites me. Um, whether it excites anybody else, I'm not sure, but I've been really fortunate to be able to get into galleries because that doesn't happen for every artist. And not every artist wants to produce series. They're just enjoying the process of making art. And that in itself on a personal level is so satisfying and uh you know just developing your skills but i think art has more to do with what you're trying to say and how you're trying to say it than necessarily being incredibly skilled and, and now that sorry i just because for now we're, we're in covid world and those galleries that you would have relied on the burlington art gallery and the two others are closed to the public uh so that you know that that avenue of getting your art and your, your passion out there into the world, that avenue is essentially closed off to you right now. And I'm, I'm wondering how, how does that, how has that affected you as a, as an artist, maybe as a, as a, a sense of livelihood or just, cause I mean, I don't, I don't know how many artists necessarily make art just for themselves. I, I, like part of it is my, it, my, my take is it's a communicative process, right? You're, you have a, a, a an idea that you want to express and it's no point in expressing it if there isn't somebody to receive that expression uh, and go ahead. So. For, for me, that is the way it is. But for a lot of people, it's just the process. It's something very soothing and satisfying about taking a blank canvas and putting something on it that had never existed or trying to replicate it. And there's something that goes on in the brain when you're trying to do that. It's It hits a lot of pleasure points, but you're right. Uh, what's strange and counterintuitive to what's going on is that from what I gather from the galleries is that sales are up over the last year. So really? more people are buying original art than ever before. And you can't see my background, but if you could, you'd see that there's original art behind me. And a lot of people are doing Zoom meetings and don't necessarily want to expose their entire bookshelf or record collection <laughs> to the world. And they're realizing that whatever's behind them is as interesting as they are, if not more interesting to the people in the meeting and realizing that it also is a really instant way of representing themselves in a visual format. And also being stuck in your house, you realize how boring the walls can be and how, and, and how much, it's surprising to me because before I was an artist, I would not have known this, but it, how much it really changes your mood, much like music. It can change the mood of an entire room um, and change the atmosphere because of what you have on the walls. And I think people are coming to realize that. And so sales have been up um, across the board, which is really encouraging that people are starting to get the fact that it doesn't have to be a Picasso it can be a local artist that really 
you know, speaks to you or gets you interested or gets you excited about something. And, and that's what local artists are hoping to connect to people. Like, if you buy my art, I want you to love it. I don't want you to do it because you're trying to support me, but you are supporting me. And, and what's great right now is that I know the galleries are starting to open up again, not in full force, but the sales and rental uh, portion of the galleries are open. You can go online and view anything that you, their inventory online through their websites. Um, I'm a member of the Burlington Fine Arts Association, which is a wonderful organization. And it's got all the, it's replaced all its in-person gallery or uh, exhibits with online exhibits. To be honest with you, I, I think it's a, it gives you a good taste of what you're looking at, but you have to experience it in person to get the full feeling of what the artist necessarily was putting into it and the texture of certain pieces and, and the way light hits certain pieces in different rooms and atmospheres. It really can change a painting completely. So uh, the, the galleries have adapted in a really wonderful way. They've made art more accessible to a lot more people. And now they're opening up again. And I just highly encourage people to take the, the Art Gallery of Hamilton is now open up again. And they've got free Thursdays. So you can go in at any time on Thursdays without paying anything and enjoy their incredible exhibits. And the Art Gallery of Burlington has like some avant-garde groundbreaking exhibits that are available to us. And it there's something that changes inside a person when they're actually in front of different pieces. And it's good to feel something, whether it's positive or negative, it's great that something visual like that can maybe uh, go beyond what the artist intended through the individual viewer's filter and bring something new to the whole experience. And so galleries are facilitating that and supporting local artists in that way. And it's a, it's a really cool thing. There, there's, uh, you know, one of the things we are trying to do through through starting this podcast was to uh, to kind of, you know, um, counter the view of the 905 region as, as this kind of cultural backwater outside the real city of Toronto, you know, and we're, like I think I said uh, on uh, our last episode, you know, 905er was a name we chose because it's an insult. Uh, it, it, <laughs> what, it's what the 416ers say about us. It's always damn 905ers coming into town. Um, and it's, but, you know, there, there is so much going on in our region um, uh, uh, when you start even taking a, a you know, relatively superficial look that people like you, things, you know, uh, I mean, a large proportion of the, uh, say, the Burlington Art Gallery material is, is local artists um, and you know, really very good stuff and stuff that you simply won't see anywhere else. You know, it's not... Um, uh, it's uh, you know they they do a lot of um, not necessarily paintings on a wall but you know uh, um, uh, ceramics and things like that and uh, yeah there's six different guilds I believe at the Art Gallery of Burlington and they provide studio space for woodworkers and ceramics and weavers and fabric artists so it's all mediums and it's super cool when you start investigating these and the, the talent that is uh, within these guilds are just phenomenal and, and go from very young to 
more mature artists along the way. And it's uh, it's been a great experience for me to come at it from a very um, new point of view to see these communities uh, within the artists and within the patrons that are facilitated by the galleries. And so you really need all three pieces in order to make this work. But I can't say it enough of how lucky I am to be in Burlington right now with the facility in of the Art Gallery of Burlington and what they've done for me and my career. But the Visual Arts Mississauga is also an incredible facility that people can go to and see exhibits as well as take classes. And you don't have to be producing something to sell it. Uh, producing something in and of itself is a really, as I said before, is a really satisfying experience. And I, I highly suggest people do it. And that's one of the reasons why I started pouring paint is because I didn't need to have any skills to have fun when you're pouring paint. And so it took me to where I am, but it, I started at a very low bar. And I'm really, I'm really glad I did. But I think that that kind of goes to like the, you know, you're, you're getting into a bit of like the nature of our modern societies that everything has to be done with the purpose of profit. You know, we, we, we very rarely do we talk about doing something for the enjoyment of like my, my wife and I have had this conversation over um, passions that we've discovered during the pandemic. Uh, it's not art, but we, we've enjoyed, uh, my, my wife has taken up uh, baking. Like nor normally she'd be like, baking was always a chore for her. And, I, I myself, I like to cook. I, I like, uh, I'll be honest, I, I like to think of cooking as like the ultimate piece of art because it's the piece of art that you can use all five senses <laughs> on. I'm just saying. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I, like, I, 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 I love to cook for my family. That's kind of my, my passion. My wife has discovered she really likes to bake. It's, it, she, she says she finds her zen and she finds her, her um, like when she gets stressed out over all this, she's like, I go bake. I, I bake and helps me center and calm and I, it's where i go and i imagine painting is very similar to to you briar and possibly to somebody some of our listeners out there but again it's like we, we don't do it for the purpose of profit it's not it's not a, a job that we're doing it's a passion that we're doing that's used to center ourselves and to kind of uh find find our focus and, and i'm wondering maybe you want to talk about it but just the that's kind of a, a theme that i've noticed over the last year during COVID 19 is that you know people have kind of taking the time to look a bit inward to themselves and say, what is it that matters most to me? Like what, what, what are my passions and not just, uh, am I defined by my job or my career? Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe if you want to maybe touch on that in terms of but more the human quality. Of, well, I've of had, career. I've had other jobs and I've had other careers. So, you know, out of university, I went into the bank and worked at a couple of uh, banks for about 10 years. And then I got into film and television production because I wanted to do something that made me want to get up in the morning. Um, and then I had babies and could not be in film and television production anymore. And honestly, art was the last thing on my mind. But what I found when I was doing it and it doesn't matter what you're doing it, if you can find this feeling, is when I was doing it, I wasn't thinking about anything else. And in fact, the less I thought about painting as I was painting, the more fun I had. And I really did get into TED Talks and podcasts and math lectures so that I could distract the right side of my brain enough to allow the left side of my brain to take over and have fun on the canvas. And it was a really interesting development for me on how much 
fun it was to just watch paint move around. And it has also been really fun to develop my skills. But that's, you know, that's a, a personal exploration. The more you learn about something, the more interesting it becomes. And so in anything that you're doing, whether you're making sourdough bread or, or you know, going through Julia Child's cookbook, it, if you're doing it with passion and interest, it's going to be interesting. And so this happened to be my thing that I could do without, without anybody's permission, without any, um, I, I could do it anywhere, anytime. It didn't cost me a lot. There was no capital investment and there was really no expectation that it was going to be anything more than me mixing some colors and getting through a time with two toddlers in the house. Um, and it just kind of took over as, and I was more surprised. It, maybe my mom was more surprised than me, but I, I certainly. <laughs> Mom's always the most surprised. <laughs> and she's a fashion designer, but my dad's an accountant. And we just always thought I took after the accounting side of things. And uh, turned out both were influential. It just took a little while for me to get over myself and have fun with it. And I, I think that's what a lot of artists do. They just get into the idea of creating something that excites them on the canvas. And I think as soon as you start expecting your tree to look like somebody else's tree, the fun is taken away. As soon as you set expectations that singing has to sound like this, the fun is taken away. And the joy of actually doing it just for the sake of the enjoyment of the process, it's there and you just have to take away the expectations of what you think it's going to turn out as. And if, if there's, um, there's a very, if the closest I think I can get to it, um, because I'm not a very artistic person uh, to say the least, but it is, I, I am a bad guitarist. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm tolerable uh, to myself and, and nobody else, but um, but it's one of those things that the only thing you can do if you're playing a guitar or a piano or whatever is play the guitar and play the piano. You can't be thinking about anything else. So it's 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 almost in, like enforced um, enforced kind of meditation of, of a sort, kind of emptying your mind. The rest of the day has to go away, uh, and for that time, you're just purely in that space, you know, that, you know, the sort of, you know, with mindfulness and these kind of things, it's about, you know, just clear everything out and be, be in the moment. And you kind of have to be, I guess. So is, is that, does that kind of feel like the, what you're getting at there? Oh, like for sure. And so when I wasn't painting for six months after uh, the, we got shut down and locked up, um, I, yeah, it was, it was really bad for me because I didn't have a, uh, I didn't have the capacity to go and relax and there was no forcing it. And I didn't want to force it. This was my happy thing. I didn't want it to be a chore to get back to, but in all honesty, the more I did it, the more it came back. And I figured out the space within my house and within my head to get back into it. And I've painted probably more in the last six months than I have in the last two years. And it's just because, you know, I, I'm messing around and I'm not worried about who's going to see it or what kind of uh, exhibit I'm putting together. I'm just exploring what in interests me and getting a kick out of it. And anything that gives me that feeling, I'm going to do more of. How, how, how has COVID kind of impacted your, your inspiration, your inspirational process? Well, I wanted it to have more meaning, I guess, to have a little more gravitas underneath it. So I really used the pandemic to learn about Canadian history um, and 
the pandemics that the indigenous population went through when colonization hit um, and tried to figure out a, why we didn't learn this information. I took a, a course at the University of Alberta, an online course, and it was very helpful in educating me on what I thought we should have all learned in school. And I would have never done that without the pandemic. I would have never had the headspace to do that or the time, or I would have filled it up with other things. And this made my work um, a lot richer and my process a lot richer. I don't know if the outcome was any better, but it was certainly a, a great process. And then I decided to blow it up and take those symbols that I'd worked on and deconstruct them and use color and texture to represent a feeling that I was doing with symbols. And so it was fun for me to kind of take something that was really rigid like the Hudson Bay stripes turned upside down and blow them apart through abstract. And, and so when you say, what did the pandemic do? Did, I don't, I didn't want to focus on the pandemic, but it certainly made me think uh, more about, you know, what makes me happy? Why am I doing things? And what am I scared of? And uh, to try and throw fear out the window and start playing with it a bit, uh, playing getting rid of my ego and just having fun like a kid. And it just made it a lot more fun. And I really love the work that it's produced from that. And so very thankful for this time with my family. Um, really looking forward to the time when everybody goes back to school and I've got the house <laughs> to myself again. But, it, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it because, yeah, it's, it's made me a better person and I, I think a more educated person because of what I did with the time. I'm just like literally looking at your Instagram page uh, right now, and there's 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 such uh, contrasts in the different types of uh, work that you've done. I mean, and I presume these are some of your mo more, most recent ones, and that some are very very bright uh, with yellows and reds, and you've got some that are much darker. So it's a real uh, and and just and you described the the paint pouring aspect, and I guess for people who don't know what you do you might think of sort of jackson pollock or something like that where like literally kind of flinging paint at a canvas but it's it's very different from that um it's um your art tends to so some of it definitely has you create it kind of randomly but the end result may be a picture that is recognizably a thing that say a leaf or a tree or is that, that that's fair to say and um so it's it's definitely not the um uh there are abstract ones, and there are sort of ones which are which are less abstract. But but how the creative process goes is you don't necessarily know what you're doing when you sit down to to start. Is that is that right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No. And I try and let the paint lead the way. It's much smarter than I am. So I'm more reacting to what's happening on the canvas than uh, plotting out the canvas in and of itself. And I created these abstract works and they reminded me of explosions. And then I thought, is that an explosion or is that an expansion? And I don't know if you can tell that until you look back on it in history. And I thought that was really a cool metaphor for what we're all going th through right now is we are expanding, whether we explode or not at the end, I'm not sure, but it, it was an opportunity for me to explore both those ideas that, yeah, we hopefully we're, exploding some of these uh, old ideas and uh, expanding our uh, 
idea of what things could be and taking this opportunity to rewrite that a bit. You've, you've done a lot of kind of, well, not necessarily teaching, but, you know, you, I was part of a of an event you uh, you did that um, where you kind of taught us to paint like you. Um, and, and we all, at the end of the evening, went home with like a postcard that we created. And uh, you've obviously done a lot of that. Uh, how, does that... Um, help feed into your your own process or, or what what have those experiences been like of kind of like working with people people like me who are just almost phobic of trying to be artistic <laughs> um well I, feel, uh, <laughs> it 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 just reminds me of how i felt the first time i poured paint it was like an incredible freeing experience to not have something uh, not have an idea of what the outcome was going to be and to show people everybody's creative we just have an idea and a box of what this creative is and it's just fun to mess around with paint and so it's really fun for me to take people who aren't artists or don't consider themselves artists and show them how much fun this can be again with no uh, financial output to enjoy you don't have to have the right pencil you don't have to uh, people use dirt and and water like you really don't need much um, in order to explore this way of doing things. And it it takes, uh, I love those paint nights where you go in and you try and paint somebody else's uh, painting, be it a sunflower or whatever. That's great. That's fun. Have a glass of wine. But I'm much more interested in tapping into individuals' own creativity and showing them how much fun it is to let go of the expectations and just enjoy the process for the sake of the process. Um, I want to go go back to something you were you were talking about how uh, the saying down with the pandemic has allowed you to kind of look into a bit of Canada's past and and do a bit of exploration there. Uh, mostly because I I've always kind of viewed artists as kind of while we have a historians capturing the events of what happened during the during events in our history, and they'll write you know on this date at this time such such happened so and so mm-hmm. said this. But I've always felt that artists sometimes capture the the more emotional qualities of what's happening at the time, the the curiosity. I'm thinking back, thinking back through time. You know, you had the, the Renaissance, the the Da Vinci's and the the Michelangelo's, and it's just kind of that. Let's explore the emotional side of being human. Um, and you had you know Picasso doing uh, Guernica and the the, fr- the fear of, of that time. Yeah. And I'm not saying you specifically like you, you're going you're painting something for this time, but I thought. We're going through. I think we're. I I take the last year has been a very transformative year for not just Canada but the entire world. This this pandemic has shaken a lot of us, and and it's been a time of, of fear and uncertainty, and we don't know what's going to happen on the other side. Um, I, I personally think we're going through a cha- period of change in this country and in the world, and I'm hoping we come out the better for it on the other side. Um, but I'm wondering, maybe as an artist, and you're, you're not just you, yourself, but you you communicate with other artists in the community. Is there a sense of your you know, that you're taking that 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 fear and that uncertainty, and you're you're channeling it into your art, so that you know generations from now, somebody can look back at your art and, sit, and maybe understand. I, I get what people were scared of. Then I, I, I understand where I I understand when I read in the textbooks that mom and dad were st- stuck in home p- making sourdough, but it was a men- method of channeling their, their fear and uncertainty. I get it. Uh, you know, cause they, they might see your art or somebody else's or some, another artist's piece and say, I, I get, I, I see that. I see the, the emotions of the time. 
I, I think there are people that do that for sure and do it really well. Um, and I think there's also artists that want to take you away from what the sadness is going on and distract you. So here's some bright colors. You, you, you're feeling bad. Look at this. Um, you're feeling scared. Lose yourself in this and get distracted in my brush strokes and my color and my form. And so I think there's, you know, again, there's a, a lot of different types of art, but for sure there are people out there that are, have an incredible ability to capture a feeling or a time in one visual, one static visual. And I think the people who do it well are really geniuses and the people who do it well consistently are amazing and my hat's off to them. And, and I guess, you know, obviously Canada, <laughs> it's difficult to have a conversation about art, which doesn't bring in the group of seven at some point. But uh, I, I uh, uh, my defense for that is that because I came from abroad, um, I'd never heard of the group of seven when I came to Canada. And it was like a discovery of this little known group of artists that no one had ever heard of for me. <laughs> um, but that they were painting things. And if you probably asked them, well, do you think this represents the time? They would have said, no, we're painting trees. Yeah. Uh, but it, in fact, it does speak exactly of that time in Canada's history and uh, uh, the kind of mental space that Canadians were in as a new nation and a nation that's huge and uh, uh, sort of limitless in, in, in its scope in so many ways, uh, that you almost don't know you're doing it while you're doing it, if you see what, if you see what I mean, of, of kind of reflecting the zeitgeist or whatever. Yeah, I was lucky enough to do some painting with uh, Christian Norville, um, uh, sorry, Christian Morisot, Norval Morisot's son, and in the woodland art form, um, uh, it was fun to explore that they, his community, and that form of art was another form of storytelling, and that they use colors and symbols in a way to tell their verbal stories in a visual way, um, and they were breaking form in regards to doing this because they weren't necessarily supposed to and the way they isolated different shapes and uh, so on really influenced the group of seven um, and it, that was very interesting to me that uh, Norval Morisot was considered almost a, a founding start or a kernel of the group of seven in regards to how they developed and expanded their ideas um, I don't think you can tell until, again, you're looking back on something, if it has any meaning or any uh, any legs, as they say. But I try and use things that we've never had before. So I use a lot of metallic paint to create um, shadows and colors that change with light. Uh, so depending on whether it's the daytime or a sunny day or nighttime, it will change the picture entirely and how you actually see the picture because of the paint I'm using. Those paints were never around before. Um, you know, there was gold leaf and that kind of thing, which is not fun to use as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Beautiful to look at, but not fun to work with. Please. Ugh. So these fluid uh, metallic paints, nobody's ever, we just got them and they're really cool. And so we're, I'm exploring with the new materials that we've got that might register as, oh, that's the time those came in. But, you know, 
Keith Richards said it's, you know, he was searching for chords that had never been played before. And, and that's the kind of thing I'm looking at doing myself. Like I like to look at history and then say, and then forget about it. I don't like to look at a lot of uh, modern day artists because I, I don't want to feel like I'm repeating anything that somebody else is doing. And if I've got anything to offer, it's my unique voice. And I say that uh, not as arrogance, but you know, that's the only unique thing I've got. And I, so it's the only unique thing any artist has is their own voice. And it's influenced, obviously, by what they uh, absorb and take in, but hopefully filtered through, uh, you know, without worrying about how it's going to be perceived. You, you mentioned, you know, taking in information and, and putting it into a medium uh, and using different uh, mediums and, and whatnot. And going back to Roland's example of the group of seven, um, I'm curious, I'm, I'm just curious as an artist, how we live in a time when you have access to so much information, um, like through your phone or your computer, you can log on to social media and you can have access to movement movements, uh, you know, other artists around the world, you know, different cultures, different foods, different types of music, all this access to it, really a global community, um, that, you know, the group of seven could only dream of having access to that kind of marketplace of ideas and, and, and input and, and technology, you have, you have access to it right now. Like you can, after you log off this, you could go online, search up Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and, you know, look around the world as a Canadian artist. How does that impact your, your, your input? And then what, like, what do you take in and how, how does that influence your work today? Does it make you more appreciative of you know the Canadian landscape and the Canadian society, or does it you know you does it make you want to input something else new into Canadiana? Well, I guess both. I can't tell you what it's like to live anywhere else, so I take what's around me and whatever interests me. I focus on that. So if I really like decaying leaves which it turns out I do because of the <laughs> fractals that I see inside them and I find them more interesting. I'll take a decaying leaf and make a statement in regards to beauty with it that I find a decaying leaf that's lived an interesting life to be a lot more beautiful and long lasting beauty than a fresh green spring leaf. And so I'll paint it until I'm bored of painting it. And so I, and it allows me to express a lot of different things through the landscape that I've got around me. And I don't know how other people do it, but I think a lot of people just, you know, take what's around them and feed their narrative. And that's what I do. So, but I only let things in that interest me and I only go down rabbit holes that interest me. I don't go down everyone. And that's important is figuring out how to filter the stimulus that can come in. And that's, I, you know, I, I like to listen to things more than I like to look at things. <laughs> See, that's, that's the difference between you and I, 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 I would go down those rabbit holes. <laughs> I would, I would find, I'm like, Oh, what's around that corner? And before you know it, I'm, I'm gone. So yeah. Yeah, pretty much, which is a good thing for doing a podcast. Cause then we could just go down all the rabbit holes together. And, you know, before you know it, we have half an hour of episode. We're never short of things to talk about. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, to, maybe as a, as a last thing, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned in passing that you've done some art that, that uses the, the colors of the Hudson Bay company as, as a kind of, uh, theme. So obviously a connection with 
again, a connection with history. Um, and as, again, I'm looking at some of them right now, you kind of go from something that's obviously Hudson-based centric to that explosion of Hudson, of colors that happen to be, uh, what, what drew you to that? And you mentioned that the kind of uh, the pandemic side with the uh, First Nations, and I was just thinking, well, uh, wasn't it, um, wasn't it the case that like disease was sometimes carried by by blankets? And is that the kind of uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about that rather than me trying to um, work out what's going on? <laughs> well, it was it was interesting to me that a symbol that uh, the Hudson Bay blanket as an example, and I happen to love that symbol, how it meant something so different to our indigenous community. And then I started researching the pandemic that was brought over the smallpox that was rumored to have been brought over in these blankets and how those four stripes and those four colors, I did turn them upside down, but I really wanted, they represented colonialism and mercantilism and disease and so many things that we don't connect as Canadian uh, uh, people today, we see that and we think of home, we think of Canada and those symbols don't mean the same to everybody. And I found that really interesting that, you know, four stripes could produce so many diverse feelings um, from very different people. And I wanted to play with that a bit and use it as a backdrop that this is our history, but we look at our history very differently depending on our point of view and where we come from. And it was interesting to me also to dance the line in regards to um, trademark infringement and things like that. And <laughs> oh. I, I've, had, I've had my work used without my permission. Right. <laughs> and so I was very sensitive to the fact that I was doing this for a reason, that it was to create a narrative um, and a discussion that would hopefully bloom within people um, and to not take away from a corporate branding that they've worked very hard to create. And so it's not disrespect that I'm putting forth, but more a question on how these things can change the more we know about them and uh, how they can mean different things to different people. And something so simple could produce so much variation in emotion. And uh, so anything that is simple and beautiful and says a lot interests me. So whether it's a mathematical equation that explains nature and how it grows, or a couple of stripes put on a page that, you know, evoke feelings from different people, it, it, that interests me. How little you have to do to say a lot. That's a, a beautiful thing to me even though right. I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No, I think that's a, a fantastic way actually to, uh, to, to, to bring the conversation to a conclusion. And uh, uh, we really appreciate you joining us today and um, speaking about your own experience and also the, the um, uh, kind of representing the, the many things that are going on in our region that, that um, well, I, I hope that, that we as a podcast can, can help sort of spread the word about that. And I suspect, We'll maybe be able to have you on again in the future to talk uh, some more about um, uh, the the uh, the huge talent, as you say, that that exists across our region that um, that can't be summed up under uh, a phrase like nine oh five. No, and I just encourage anybody who's listening go out and see the art in person whenever you can, um, as soon as you can, because it it does change your. Uh, 
your attitude and uh, hopefully give you new ideas to chew on. So thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.